Welcome to Dumb Love. I'm Sally Brooks. And I'm Jen O'Neill Smith. And this is a podcast about all the dumb things that people will do for love. So welcome to episode 16. Dude. It's our sweet 16. It is. Happy sweet 16. <laughs> yeah. We should a be woman. doing this in our giant dresses. I didn't have a sweet 16. No, me neither. People do it in New York. Do but they? they don't really do it here. Yeah. So how was your week? Uh, pretty good. Pretty yeah. good. How are things with red clay, which is coming up so soon? Oh my God. We're almost there. We're yeah. right at the end. We're so getting there. It's when this, this weekend. Yeah. When this episode comes out, it's yeah, this weekend. It's going to be crazy. Um, it's going to be so much fun. There are still tickets available, probably, I think. Um, yeah. It's, uh, you can buy them at redclaycomedy.com, but um, but shows are already selling out. So. That's so, I'm so excited. It's going to be, be so amazing. much fun. Should we do our quickies? Yeah. You go first. Okay. So I heard about this quickie actually on another podcast. Um, so shout out to the local news podcast. Um, it's by my good friends who are both comedians, Alex Stone and Tommy Jonigan. And if you like our podcast, I think you will also love theirs. Um, they do all news stories that won't make you sad. So they're all these oh, like... cool. Yeah, it's like funny. I've been listening to it a ton. I, you know, I've been driving um, to see my mom and uh, and it is like, I just am like, it, it's fun because I know them, but I'm just like, I've been listening to back episodes because it's like really upbeat and they're so, they're really funny comedians. And so it's fun to listen to them talk. So, um, and I just need things that don't aren't too heavy so right it, it, and it is all just like fun lighthearted stories so um so they did this story and then i just stole it from them but you know they <laughs> took it from somewhere else so the story itself comes from atlas obscura and it was written by cara giamo um, and i just want to read you a quote from the article to start it out because it's pretty fun um so she says okay so uh bb and poldy who live in klagenfurt austria were a perfect match Poldy is handsome and sociable, with bright eyes and a fondness for neck scratches. Bibi has a regal bearing and a dramatic streak, and a friend once compared her to Greta Garbo. They share hobbies, both like loitering in the sunny spots as well as shady spots, and they have a mutual love of tomatoes, and <laughs> they're both Galapagos tortoises. Aww. <laughs> yeah, so... These I was tortoises. Like, that's a really specific <laughs> thing for a couple to be into. Right? But also, so is vacuum cleaners, like the couple from right? <laughs> three episodes ago. Um, so these tortoises, they were together for almost a hundred years. Oh my god! And so, like, they the early details of their lives were hazy, but they both hatched around 1897 and grew up together at a zoo in Switzerland. And they think they hooked up first in the Roaring Twenties. Like, so they were about 20 themselves. And uh, by the time they moved to Austria in the late 70s, they had art, they were like a couple. They were in a comfortable relationship. They had a healthy sex life. Like, they were together, which is like, I mean, it's it was unusual because Galapagos tortoises aren't monogamous creatures generally, but these two were. And that's so, so funny that tortoises could have a healthy sex life. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like there's someone monitoring how much they're having sex. And I was like, that's healthy. Yeah. That's a good amount. That's a good amount. That's what, like, <laughs> once a week, like once a month, what do you think is healthy? <laughs> Every day? I don't know. <laughs> it doesn't that's matter. So, funny. Um, so the owner of, her name's Helga Hap, 
who was the owner of Helga's Reptinzilio Zoo. No, Reptilian Zoo, not Reptinzilio, um, <laughs> which is where they live, said that BB and Poldy were like always best friends. Like they were like an old married couple. They never saw any problems. They enjoyed a contented, uncomplicated life. Um, and then after nearly a century of marital bliss, everything changed. Like one minute, was everything- there a new younger tortoise? No, everything was like fine. And then the next minute, BB started hissing loudly at Poldy and then just took a huge bite out of his shell to the point where he was bleeding. Oh my God. And so they were immediately separated. And the reptile specialist who was just like, I've never heard of something like this happening where couple tortoise couple was together and then one just turned on the other and it was so sudden they like they thought that okay this is just temporary so they like kept them away but then they would try to reunite him but bb continued to hiss at poldy and like now at this point he's fed up with her too so he's hissing back at her and no one can understand it but they have like fallen out and so zookeepers have been like gradually reintroducing them to each other like and they will tolerate being around each other as long as they're eating. And they said, as long as like, it's not too hot, it's not too cold, (laughs) and they don't have to look at each other, they're fine. But as soon as like the food's gone, they start like going at each other again. And so this is seven years after they're split now and they're living in like, they have matching condos on like side by side. They're like divorce divorcees. Oh um, my God. And there's, amazing. A, there's a wall that separates them. But then in part of the wall, they made a window so that they could see each other. They thought like, oh, maybe if they saw each other and... And it wasn't, you know, they could like get used to each other again. And they're but- just like, stop trying to make fetch happen. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> we are not that into each other. We've been together for a hundred years. Like- Bitch, you try being with someone for a hundred years. <laughs> they said like, like BB hangs out in the garden and will eat the grass. If she looks up and even just sees Poldy, she hisses like a snake. Oh my god! See, that is like <laughs> that is showing like nature. Yes. Like I, I was gonna say human nature, but they're tortoises. But that's yeah. like nature. You cannot spend that much time nope. with a tortoise or a person or a rabbit yeah. or a cat. She was <laughs> like without wanting to kill each other. She's like, oh my god! Every time he click clacks over there his shell is all sway and i just can't even look at his shell anymore <laughs> like he smacks his teeth when he <laughs> when he eats and oh I've my god it. i wonder if they just put like one best friend turtle in there well they tried to okay. they like made molds like as if they had another tortoise like somebody an artist oh, so they were like dummy tortoises dummy tortoises and like for a while they thought like okay if there's like someone else you know um for a while i guess it's funny, like, so the guy, Poldy, the male tortoise, was, like, trying to have sex with this new fake tortoise, but then the, they made one for BB, too, and BB was and then like, BB no, was like, you're you. disgusting. Look at you. And BB didn't Look want anything to do there. with her, her fake male tortoise. She was like, no, I don't, I want to be alone. Like, I have earned that right. Oh, my God. That is so funny. Isn't that hilarious? Yes. Okay. So that is That could be to, a reality uh, show. Yeah. It's like, fuck Meerkat Manor. Right? Let's get, like... Some like big brother cameras and the <laughs> tortoise. And yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. Um, so thank you to Atlas Obscura and also to the local news. Go go give them a listen. Amazing. Hey Sally. Yes, Jen. Are you ready for my quickie? Yeah. Okay. 
Well, in 2014, um, young Marissa Williams, who was 19 years old, was living with her aunt in Foster's, Alabama. Mm-hmm. And Marissa had a habit, uh-huh. which was finding strangers and befriending them on sites like Facebook and Tinder or whatever, inviting them to the house. Oh, how old is she? She was 19. Oh, did you say that? I think so. Okay, sorry. <laughs> Pay attention. So. Oh my God, I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> and so... Um, so her aunt was not cool with that. Her aunt was like, yeah. you cannot invite strangers into this house. That's not safe. Right. Smarten up, young lady. And um, Marissa was like, fuck you, narc. <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> what she did, so she just decided she was going to um, then um, unfriend or block her her aunt from seeing any of her so uh, her social media posts so she was just like posting like hey anybody come over i guess yeah she was just blocking it so that yeah so her aunt couldn't see who she's friends with who her activity is who she's like commenting on or whatever and she just decided to go about her own business okay so then marissa eventually Sparks up a conversation with this guy whose name was Trey, top dog in quotations, Ellis. So nice. Trey, <laughs> top dog, Ellis, uh-huh. and Marissa became friends. Well, yeah. I mean, how would you not? I mean, everybody wants to be with the top dog. So. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's right there in the name. Yeah. Top dog. And so <laughs> they started being friends and then they, you know, quickly struck up um, a romantic relationship via uh-huh. Facebook Messenger. Oh, so they're just like sexting over Facebook? Yeah. And I, sending dirty pictures? I guess so, yeah. Okay. And then one thing led to another. So yeah, they were sexting, I'm assuming dirty pictures. Yes. Yeah. And then one thing led to another, and Marissa started complaining to Top Dog about how she wanted um, him to come over because she hated her aunt so much, and she wanted him to pretend to kidnap her and take her away from this like crazy aunt and then things just got like deeper and deeper and darker and darker and then she allegedly gave him instructions on how to break into her aunt's bedroom and kill her aunt oh she sounds awesome yeah and then um and to do that before pretending to um Abductor, like he wanted her to break in, kill her aunt, and then abduct her. Okay, and so it would look like Marissa was a victim, right? And was just kidnapped, but really, he she just wanted to be taken away. You could also leave. You yeah. are nineteen. You just open the door, right? You walk outside, get an Uber, or you, you get just, a bike, and you just go. Yeah, and so like we did it. We yeah, we her. did it. <laughs> I know. I moved out when I was eighteen. Yeah, and so um, but so she. Yeah, gave him instructions on how to break into her aunt's bedroom. And then she also encouraged Top Dog to kill her uncle, her cousin, and her dog. Oh. Which is totally why? messed up. I She's just effed. I don't yeah. know. I don't know why she would do that. I don't that. know why I would and ask so, why. It's not going to be a good answer. <laughs> so you can imagine her surprise uh-huh. when the police showed up at her door and immediately arrested her yeah. for um, solicitation. And she was charged with... Jailed immediately and charged with solicitation of murder. Um, it turns out that Top Dog... Top Dog. ...did not exist. Ah, she was getting catfished. Guess who was catfishing her the Please whole time? Please tell me it was her aunt. It was her aunt! Whoa! The whole time! Yay! 
ant. Go ant. Go ant. Go ant. But also gross. Well, You're sexing with your knees. Yes. Just oh. like kick her out of the house. Right. Like you know why do you, you don't have to catch her and if you know that she's doing she's it, 19. then she's Tell her to doing go. it. Just the kick her out. Don't wait until she like threatens to murder you dude wow. there was a lot of there's a lot of people who were really taking things the hard way yeah in this story uh, not yeah so she was charged um she was in jail pending a thirty thousand dollar bond but then she was eventually released and put in um like um sorry i don't know that part <laughs> I lost it. You can keep this yeah. in there. You don't need to edit it. She was put somewhere else. They took her out of jail. Where was it? I totally, I must have accidentally deleted the part. <laughs> You're just reading. Like she took, well, that's where my, yeah, that's that's where where my she, notes in. And scene. <laughs> Google it if you're so concerned. Yeah. If you need to know every single detail, well, one, you shouldn't be listening to this podcast. I don't podcast. know her life. And B, Google it. Yeah. <laughs> you can why. Google just like us. That's my quickie. I love it. That was a good one. All right, Jen, are you ready for a crazy story? Hell yeah, I am, Sally. Okay, so I got... <laughs> <laughs> I didn't realize you you were so enthusiastic. (laughs) I appreciate it. Oh, I am. (laughs) Why are you laughing? (laughs) Hell yeah, I am, Sally. (laughs) Let's do it. All right. Um, Okay, have you ever heard of the show Snapped? Um, I think I have. Well, I was searching for the best episodes of Snapped, and on Ranker, this was number one. God, I love Ranker. They take all the work out of everything. I know. And I'm going to be honest, I didn't watch the episode of Snapped, but... Oh, you found the... So you, like, found... I found... Googled it. So I got my... I got this article, or I got this information from a a Dateline NBC um, episode, and then also from uh, a TrueTV.com article. Um, and this is a story of um, Cynthia George and Jeff Zack. Ooh. Ooh. Do you know it? <laughs> Do you know I it? I feel like the names, I think it'll come to me. Okay. But at this moment, no. All right, raise your hand when you know it. <laughs> okay, well. Um, okay, so on Father's Day in 2001, Jeff Zack, who was a 44-year-old businessman and former Israeli paratrooper, this does not sound familiar. No. Well, I don't know that that is like a real important detail. But, oh, okay. Um, so he left his son and uh, wife at home to just go run his normal Saturday errands. Um, he drove his SUV to a gas station and he didn't even like look around when somebody in a motorcycle pulled up behind him and the, I guess on a motorcycle, not in a motorcycle, um, And the guy was dressed in all black. He had a helmet that shielded his face. And the biker got off the bike and then walked over to the passenger side window of just... I have my hand raised. I remember this. No, it's so good. It's so good. I just remember because when you're saying the... um, the guy in the black on the motorcycle roll. I remember seeing the um, video of it. Oh, like the reenact. Oh, they had... No, yeah, they have like the... Like um, a CTV or whatever. Yeah. Is that... Yeah. It's crazy. It's crazy. Okay, go ahead. You guys are going to love it. (laughs) They're all like, we have our hands raised too. <laughs> we all watch Snapped. <laughs> um, so the biker got off his bike. He went over to the passenger side of Jeff's SUV. He lifted the gun and he fired a single shot. And uh, it shattered the glass and it hit Jeff in the head, um, killing him. Aye. 
So uh, the gas, the pump attendant, who was only a few feet away, was like stunned. I mean, she was too surprised to move. And the biker looked right at her. Um, and but she couldn't see his face because of the dark visor. And then he got on the his bike and rode away. And she was like, "I was sure he was going to kill me too." Um, but she said that clearly this showed that it was like a targeted. Yes, killing. that this mm-hmm. was he was trying to kill Jeff Zach. So once she was able to act, the gas station called nine one one to get the police and the ambulance there. And she described exactly the. Um, the motorcycle and the man, well, at least the stature of the man with the gun, um, to police. And so police started investigating and they found that Jeff had a few enemies. Um, he was a pretty difficult man. He had a sharp temper. He often fought with his neighbors. Um, he'd had a few business dealings um, that had gone wrong. He had been arrested several times. Um, oh, he was yeah. known to like uh, visit like prostitutes. Dick. Yeah, I mean, it's hard to, I don't want to, like, say too much because he is the victim, but. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, yeah. But he, uh, so he had, he had hit on married women. He'd been unfaithful to his wife. So there were, like, kind of a big range of suspects. Yeah. Um, so police found that even just three days before Jeff was killed, someone had left a threatening message on his answering machine. And it said, all right, buddy, you've got one more out. So you need to start answering your cell phone, okay? So police were like, well, this is suspicious. Whoa. And then. They looked at his computer and they found that the night that right before he had left his house that morning, he had typed the name Cynthia George into a search machine. Search machine. It's called Google. (laughs) I don't know. Can I borrow your search machine real quick? (laughs) It sounds like something my father-in-law would say. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was like, Sally, can I get to my my email from this Googles? (laughs) I was like, I can't. I can't answer that. <laughs> My mom would definitely say that. Yeah. How do I uh, do a search machine? <laughs> that search machine. Like um, my computer search engine was what I meant. <laughs> <laughs> By the way, I so as you're telling the story, I feel like I'm hearing it again for the first time. Oh, do you? So, yeah. So I am surprised by the things that you're saying because I don't remember. It was so long ago. This is a right. really old episode. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Um, Does that make you feel better about telling your story? No, I don't feel all right. <laughs> <laughs> um, so he had searched Cynthia George, and uh, Cynthia George and her husband Ed were friends of Jeff and his wife Bonnie's. And also, Cynthia, who goes by Cindy, and Jeff had also been having an affair for the last 10 years. Cynthia and Jeff. Cindy and Jeff. Yes, Cindy and Jeff. So Cindy was in her late 30s when they had met. She was like a small town girl and um, very beautiful. She was an aspiring beauty queen. In fact, she, sometime during this whole affair, like a a few years earlier, she had um, entered and won the Mrs... I don't remember what this is. Texas, something. Don't like, they all? Yeah. So she, so she was like <laughs> kind of an aging beauty queen. I don't know. Like right, like, right. That'd be like one of us entering a beauty pageant now. Can you? Oh, so somebody. So she entered a beauty pageant as in like her thirties. In her thirties. Wow. Yeah. So it would be like you entering a beauty pageant now. No. Yeah, it would be Sally. I'd be like, <laughs> I'd be like the the grandma grandma no, division. <laughs> It like that would be like you entering a beauty match. <laughs> like how sad is that? Can you... <laughs> Gross! Oh my god! Can you even imagine you in a beauty pageant? I cannot. No, I meant 
Because she was in her 30s and you were in your 30s? <laughs> For one more year. So thank you. And I am no longer in my 30s, so. <laughs> um, I mean, gross. <laughs> so so she was, uh, she was had this like beauty queen mystique they, they keep kept saying, but... Anyway, so she was very flirtatious, but her husband, Ed George, was quite older. He was 15 years older. She had met him um, at his supper club, the Tangier, which was a Moroccan-themed entertainment spot. Um, He was 40 at the time. She was 16 years younger. Um, I just gave you two separate figures, 15 and 16 years younger. I think maybe at some point. That's fine. When at some point they got a little yeah, older. they got a little closer to each other. <laughs> um, but she was very, she was young, she was outgoing, she was fun. Um, and it says they were both devout Catholics, which I just think is kind of funny. I think that just meant they like didn't use birth control because they had five kids. Two, they adopted two more. Um, and the family business was like going really well. So they were very wealthy. Mm-hmm. Um, nevertheless, even though she had this like very full life, um, she was like pretty flirtatious and um she's still she's still hit on other men uh especially jeff zach so in front of his wife jeff was even when they met he was like openly hitting on cindy in front of his wife and it didn't take long before they started their affair after they met um but they were the couples were friends like Jeff would come over to the the George house on weekends and take Cindy on bike rides or for walks. And he called her so frequently that, like, it's hard to believe that her husband didn't, didn't know. Yeah. His wife, Bonnie, Jeff's wife, Bonnie, would later say that she didn't actually know they were having an affair until, like, years later in 1998 when she overheard. This is, like, eight years into the affair when Whoa. she overheard one of Jeff's conversations with Cindy. And she confronted him and he apologized and promised to change. And he said he would stop the affair, but he wouldn't end his friendship with Cindy. Um, so he was like, but he remained pretty obsessed even after this confrontation. And um, and Cindy, it, on her side, it appears she was like, called him all the time too. That, um, but then Why right- don't they just get, I don't understand. Like, that's just amazing to me when like, both, all of the people are aware of it. Right. Just Leave your spouses and be together. I don't understand. It just doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense to me either. I mean, I think maybe on her end, she had this very rich husband. Yeah. And I don't, but I don't know the other end. I mean. Yeah. Maybe. And seven kids. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I don't know about, I don't know about the, the Zachs, Jeff Zach and his wife. But yeah, I mean, 10 years is like, I mean, come on. That's crazy. (laughs) Right. So, um, right before the murder, uh, it came out that Cindy had broken up with Jeff and that he had been trying everything in his power to get back with her. Um, and so the, at first, the police suspected Cindy's husband. I mm-hmm. mean, the affair was kind of like this open secret. And he had even at one point filed a complaint against Jeff for harassing Cindy. But Ed George had an ironclad alibi uh, for the time of the murder because he and Cindy and the kids were at a family wedding on the day of the shooting. There were pictures to prove it. They were out of town. Uh-huh. Um, but still, the murder looked like a contract hit. So detectives yeah. were still suspicious that Ed George had hired somebody to kill her, his wife's lover. But then the police got a tip that led them in a different direction. So uh, they had offered a reward about information, and they got an anonymous tip that the police should talk to a woman who had once been married to a man named John Zafino, who was not someone 
that was anywhere on their radar. So it turns out John had told his ex-wife right after the murder that he had just beaten up a white-haired Israeli. So if you remember that, yeah, that Jeff or that Jeff was a Israeli paratrooper and he had silver gray hair. Um, then she read about the murder and she wondered if they were the same person. And so she called John in the middle of the night and was like, what, what, what did you do? And he said, well, let's just say that guy's going to have a hard time parting his hair from now on. What a weird, first of all, <laughs> how weird to just walk in and be like, I just know what I did today. Beat up a white haired Israeli. Yeah. And then, like, and then be all, like, swarmy about it. Right? Like, who's going to have a problem parting his hair? Right. It's, yeah, it's very so. So they started investigating this guy, John. He sounds like he wears, like, like MC Hammer pants. (laughs) Oh, and, like, a teeny tiny tank top? Yeah. Like, a big gold chain? Right? He probably has a a mullet. Yeah. Yeah. They do describe, they say he's a... a like a uh, turtleneck with a chain on top of oh, it. Oh, yeah. Like, yeah. A, like a dicky. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, they describe him as an unemployed trucker. Okay. Which just makes me think of one of our friends, Greg Barons, has a really funny joke about, like, if you're going to be unemployed, why not pick, like, a, a better job? <laughs> like, why not be like, oh, I'm an unemployed astronaut? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so... They found out that John had recently made, had bought a motorcycle. Um, But when he went to the dealer, he had introduced himself as John Smith, not John Zafino. And he told that bike dealer, the motorcycle dealer, oh, I'm not going to keep this for long. Because I'm going to go mess up (laughs) a white-haired Israeli real quick. Yeah, like, it's just like, I mean, keep your mouth shut, you know? I know, what a dummy. So police went to the dealer um, where he had bought the bike and to to find one to show show the police a picture of the bike, like a one that was similar. The um, the dealer was like searching for this certain type of bike to show them a picture. Mm-hmm. And one popped up that there was one for sale in um, in Pennsylvania. And there was like a picture of John laying on it with two middle fingers right. in the air. Well, they <laughs> put like they two start, thumbs yeah. up pointing to himself. <laughs> I did it. It's me. <laughs> Just like blood dripping from it. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, they realized so this bike, they were, he was just showing that, like, this is an example of the kind of bike, but it turns out, oh, it's the exact same bike. So oh, they wow. went to this because they put two and two together because the person selling the bike was John's, another ex wife's fiance. So, the, so the? they went, yeah, so they went to this dealership. And the ex-wife was like, oh, yeah, he came in the middle of the night and was like, I need to get rid of this bike. And they traded it for, like, back-owed child support. And so now they were like, okay, so this is our guy, right? This Uh is the guy who did it. But what is the motive? But why? But why? Well, they pretty soon, they found one. It turned out uh, Cindy also had an affair with With this guy? Yes. (laughs) Um, with yeah. an unemployed trucker. With an unemployed trucker. Wears empty hammer pants. Sandy, <laughs> you're a beauty queen. What are you doing? Well, she's an aging beauty queen. That's so. true. She's an aging I mean, beauty she's queen. like as old as you. Gross. <laughs> um, she sounds disgusting. She does. I can't even think of it. Um, can you imagine her in a bathing suit? Ugh. Ew. <laughs> so she had become involved with John 
after he started taking her for walks is what it says. I don't know. But she also kept on her affair with Jeff. So in the nine months where she was like had both of them, she she was like telling John that I know this is confusing because it's John and Jeff, but their last names also I both can start with Z. Okay. Okay, so Jeff's the dead guy. <laughs> John's John's the motorcycler. Uh-huh. John's MC hammer pants. Yeah. She you know, she's telling John like Jeff is harassing me. Jeff is like, won't leave me alone. Um, So when she broke up with Jeff, he had like, she said she had tried to end their relationship many times over the year, but he had always threatened her. And she said she had gone to their home, to his home in 1998 to tell Bonnie about the affair. And instead of finding Bonnie, she ran into Jeff and Jeff punched her in the stomach and threw her on the garage floor Allegedly. Allegedly. And dragged her up the steps. Um, She says that he had pushed her into a closet and got an AK-47 and then put it in the the end of the barrel in her mouth and said, you're not playing the game. What the? I don't. I mean, so so she said that, you know, initially Jeff had made her feel special, um, but that like as it went on. Ten years. Ten years. He was like basically forced her into this relationship. So she says that she grew depressed and that this is when a friend was like, you should enter the beauty pageant. <laughs> so oh, that's really? when she did the beauty pageant. Yeah. And then right after the beauty pageant is when she met John who made her feel so much better. Um, so now John, I know like what red flags to look for. If some people keep turning up to your door to take your spouse on a walk. Right. <laughs> <laughs> if like in their thirties, they decide to enter a beauty or, I don't know, weightlifting competition, which is what, exactly what my husband does. Right. <laughs> Maybe. Does he go on a lot of walks? He does it. Like, I, no. No. No, okay. I was going to make a joke about someone coming by the door, but no. nobody ever comes to our door. <laughs> <laughs> Thank God. Isn't it weird when somebody comes to your door these days? Like, I know. Like, what? Why? It's so weird. I know the kids in the neighborhood all come knock on the doors. And I'm like, have your mother text me. Right? <laughs> <laughs> One of the first times like, we recorded, I looked out of my window and Jen was just sitting in her car. And I looked at my phone and like 15 minutes earlier, she had texted, is it okay if I come in? <laughs> and I hadn't seen it. <laughs> I didn't want to. I was early. So I was like, hey, I'm early. Can I come? And But I didn't want to like just knock on the door early. That's rude. Uh, I know. But well, no, it's not. It's I not, mean, I don't know. Well, the, when we first moved to um, Atlanta, like the first week, our neighbors knocked on our door and I was like, what the fuck? Like, I was so <laughs> from, like, New York. from New yeah. York. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, what are you selling? And it turns out it's just like our sweet neighbors and they had a tr- Mind of- your fucking business, <laughs> neighbors. I was like looking through the peephole like, what do you want? Press it. Pass it under the door. <laughs> it was a tray of homemade brownies. Oh, how sweet. Yeah, they're, we have very nice neighbors. Um, okay, where was I? Sorry. Okay, so... Oh, okay. Je- so, that's so John went to trial. Okay. So they, they arrest him. It was definitely him. He went to trial in uh, in February 2003, and they, they called Cindy to the stand, but she invoked her Fifth Amendment, Fifth Amendment right against self-incrimination. Holy shit. That was a lot of words that I could barely say. Um, but he, John never implicated Cindy. Like he never said that she had anything to do with it. But at the sentencing, um, he was convicted. Obviously, there's a lot of evidence against him. Uh-huh. Um, Jeff's wife, Bonnie, got up and said, like, 
to Jeff, to John, I know you're the fall guy. Like you are taking the heat for Cindy while she's like continuing to live this lavish lifestyle. And that's bullshit. Um, and then Cindy was like free until 2005. Um, she was shopping at Bath and Body Works (laughs) and she's getting, get a nice body scrub. (laughs) Um, and then she was arrested and charged with both complicity and conspiracy to commit, commit aggravated murder. So the police um, had evidence that John had actually planned an earlier hit on Jeff um, on May 8th at Cuyahoga Valley National Park. Okay, so this all took place in Ohio. Just FYI, because now I know where Cuyahoga Valley is. <laughs> um, he it possibly it, it stopped when a park ranger came by because John had been at the bridge and he had been talking on the cell phone with Cindy for like three hours. And she was also talking to Jeff on the other line that she had her cell phone. <gasps> Three so way was, called. <laughs> or no, two, two, two different calls. Phones? Yeah, cell phone for one. And then the other line, I think she was trying to lure, make wow. sure Jeff was where, that he was coming to the park and John knew where to find him. And a ranger came by and actually saw that, um, that John had an empty gun holster. And so he questioned about it. And John was like, oh, I just left that gun at home. I was just wait. I'm just waiting here for my girlfriend. And then he ran off. And then a week later, um, a mushroom hunter came across a pistol in the park. So he had like ditched the pistol and left. So Wow. Um, and because Cindy was on the phone with John at this time, they were like, she's part of this. So Cindy was charged also with being complicit in, in Jeff's shooting. Um, because her bank and phone re- records supported that. The bank records show that Cindy had withdrawn $5,300 just before um, John had put, purchased a motorcycle. And wow. that's how much it cost. Oh, my God. And there were also calls between them on June 16th, which was the day he was shot, before and after he was shot. And then a few days later, when he had taken the motorcycle to Pennsylvania. Wow. So um, they during jury selection, Cindy brought a book to read. It was called Prayers and Promises for Women. Oh, God. And that she just sat like completely just like she looked, she was smiling in her booking photo. She's like has this big beaming smile. They also had another new piece of evidence, which was um, a confession that John had allegedly made to another inmate um, about Cindy being involved. And Cindy's attorneys tried to block it, but the judge allowed it. Um, So at trial, the prosecutor said the reason for Cindy's involvement in this murder was because of her daughter, who turned out was actually Jeff's child. (gasps) Yeah. So apparently they they, they, knew it. I don't remember this at all. He had taken a DNA. They had taken a DNA test. So he knew it was his daughter. And so he was like, I will take this kid and and take her with me to Israel if (gasps) you don't stay with me. Wow. So... um, Yeah, so that is what they said that she was doing this because she didn't want that to come out. Um, And they also introduced letters that Cindy had written to John while he was in jail. Um, She wrote one that was especially incriminating that said, you have to follow your attorney's instructions exactly because we cannot afford to make one mistake. What is she thinking? Right? Well, you know. Beauty queen. Beauty queen. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, No, I know a lot of really smart beauty queens, by the way. Um, So prosecutors also had another bit of damning testimony. So they had the transcript of a call from John to his sister and telling her to demand money from Cindy and Ed, George, 
um, to pay for an attorney. And he said, you can tell them they will pay for it. Just get the checkbook out and don't worry about it or they will lose their freedom. That was the deal. If anything happened, they would take care of it. I went through with my deal. Now it's their turn. They have no choice. Oh my gosh. So Sydney was found um, guilty. And as she was led to the jail, she said, I didn't do it. Um, But then after her conviction, she got new attorneys because she has a ton of money um, and they appealed her case. And at the Court of Appeals they decided that she there was insufficient evidence to prove her guilt and they ordered her to be released. They oh, overturned the conviction. Wow. So they appealed it to the Ohio Supreme Court, um, but the higher court upheld the ruling. And so she was declared not guilty and because of double jeopardy, they couldn't try her again. <gasps> so she is out and free. Wow. And she said to the press, she said, throughout this storm, our faith has sustained us. We are tattered and worn, but still standing. With this decision and the closure it provides, it is a time that we as a family move forward with our lives. Jerk off motion. Jerk off motion. (laughs) 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 That's what money will get you. That's what money will get you. That's what money will get you because poor Joe is in the clink. John. John. <laughs> I knew you wouldn't get it. I, you're right. I couldn't handle it. I couldn't thought I couldn't. It. I couldn't. <laughs> but I don't mean poor like boo-hoo John. John. I mean he like didn't he have didn't have any money. money. And so he's the one that's in jail and yeah. she's free. What is she doing now? Like, do you know? I don't know. We can Google her later. We'll Google her. We'll use our search machine. And yeah, we'll, we, Google <laughs> we'll take our sh- search machine to the future and, and find out. <laughs> Yes, we'll ride it through the future. <laughs> That's my crazy story. Awesome. Hey, Sally. Yeah, Jen? Are you ready for a love story after that crazy story? After that crazy, crazy story? Yes, I am. Good. I'm glad. This is a very sweet love story. Um, it's um, It actually, mm, there are so many different articles um, because it follows like many different courses of their lives, but... Most of this comes from, uh, actually, what's funny is that even though there's a bunch of different articles following different courses of their lives, um, they're all mostly from, they're all from the Des Moines Register because that's where they're from. Um, Thank you, Des Moines Register. um, By Aaron Young and Lauren Erler, the names of the people that wrote the articles. They sound like cool ladies. Cool writers. No, Aaron with the A-A. Oh, A-A-Ron. A-A-Ron. <laughs> um, okay. So Chris Norton um, in 2010 was a freshman playing football for Luther College. Um, he, in the middle of a game, he was um, lunging for, you know I'm not good at sports. <laughs> I watched an interview when he um, explained this, but he said that he was running for a kick. Somebody uh-huh. kicked something, he was running for it, yeah. and then he dove, uh-huh. and he dove incorrectly. And um, he ended up, um, he said that at first, he knew that he couldn't move, but he was just like, he didn't think that it was very serious. Yeah. He just thought like, that, you know, I'll be up in a few minutes. Like, I got the wind knocked out of me, and I'll get up. Right. But he said I'm that, sure as a football player, he'd been like, knocked out a million times. You know I mean? Knocked yeah. down, and hurt, and you, I mean, especially when you're young, you never think that like 
yeah, anything was, is permanent. It, yeah, like a freshman playing football, co- college football. Right. And then he, um, so then he said that when he heard the helicopters, then oh. he knew that something serious had happened. And what happened, he um, sev- uh, severely injured his spinal cord and it left him um, paralyzed. And um, initially, they um, told him that he had a 3% chance of ever regaining feeling or movement below the neck ever again. Wow. And so, of course, he was devastated. Yeah. And um, But he, he was devastated, but he was committed to not taking that for an answer and that he would just keep... Right, struggling and struggling and struggling to be able to move again and be able to walk again. That's amazing. And so, yeah. And so just months later, online, he met um, Emily Summers. And she said that she was drawn to him mm-hmm. just because she couldn't... She just loved how positive he was and how he took... And especially somebody so young yeah. that took um, an experience like this and refused to let it get him down and just how hard he worked. Was this, how committed he was. Was this the inspiration for Friday Night Lights? Maybe. Or is this after Friday Night Lights? No, I think it was 2010. When did Friday Night Lights? Cause, yeah, I have no idea. Oh, man, I used to love that show. <laughs> I used to call that show Tim Riggins because yeah. I only watched it for Tim Riggins because he was so hot. Oh, so hot. I'd be like, do you want to watch Tim Riggins tonight? <laughs> My husband was like, it's called Friday Night Lights. God. <laughs> This is such a sidebar, but did you ever watch Heart of Dixie? No, it looked so... Oh, it's so good. It's... I'm not... I would not steer you wrong. (laughs) Okay. Jen. Okay, okay. I felt the same way, and my husband actually convinced me. Ben was like, I know you love Gilmore Girls, and I heard it described as kind of like a more wacky Gilmore Girls, and um, and it is delightful. But one of the guys from Friday Night Lights is in... I can't remember the well, name of the characters. Riggins, it's I'm not in. Tim Riggins. It's well, a different guy. I don't want to talk about this. But <laughs> the second guy who's in it... So there's a couple of lead guys, but the second guy who's in it is like Tim Riggins hot. His name's Wade. And Oh, that's the guy that plays the guy that gets a spinal cord injury. Oh. Right? No. No? Wait, hold on. Let me look. Okay, we're back. I Googled. I Googled. It took me a long time. Uh, But, so Scott Porter was the actor who was in Friday Night Lights, who's also in Heart of Dixie. And he's hot, but this is not, but there is an actor who is like Tim Riggins level hot. His Uh, name is. But he's not from Friday Night Lights. He's not from Friday Night Lights. It's a whole, you can discover a whole nother hot dude on the show. His, His name is Wade. But his real name is uh, Wilson Bethel. And so anyway, okay. look him up. I'm going to trust you on this yeah. one. That's my wreck of the week. Don't throw me with a hot shoe. <laughs> <laughs> That's like one of my favorite phrases that like, it, like usually it's like, like wacky older Southern women say is like, don't threaten me with a good time. Right. I love that. <laughs> I guess I will. Um. So sorry, I don't even know. Oh, you were talking okay, about so, a guy yeah, with a so spinal cord injury. Yeah, he was a football very player. serious stuff. Like, okay, she so. was a big fan of Friday Night Lights, and so she was like, I'm going to have my own. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Jason Streets. Yeah. So, no, Emily uh, Summers met Chris online, and she was, um, like, immediately drawn to him and, you know, drawn to his strength. And they hit it off, and they started dating. And this is just a few months after his accident. And from the jump, she just, you know helped him 
yeah get better slowly and slowly and slowly like he would do like four or five hours a day of uh rehabilitation work yeah to try to walk and then he told himself his goal was when he graduated in may 2015 which Mm -hmm. was four years after the accident um that he wanted to walk the seven yards which is which was across the stage um, at his graduation to get his diploma. Right. And he, so he, um, so the, together, they worked together um, day in and day out, every night, every, like, you know, and every day, four hours, four or five hours a day practicing just so that he could make this walk. Wow. So um, she, so in 2015, she did um, go with him to his graduation. Yeah. And he stood up and he he, bra- he braced himself on top of her. Like he, she would um, hold his waist. And yeah. Then, but he would have to move and he would put his arms over her, but he moved his own legs. Right. And Which so they he, said he would never move anything below right. his neck. So that's amazing. And, yeah. And he walked, so he did, he walked um, seven yards um, to, um, across f- um, for his graduation and got his diploma. And it was a viral video that, like, I think it's gotten, like, over a million views now. I think, I feel like I Have remember seeing it. Have you seen it? That. Yeah. yeah. And so, um, they, so they, um, kind of became famous when that video went yeah. viral and he was, like, such an inspiration for a lot of people. And then, but he told himself that the next thing that he wants to do, his next goal is when he marries her, Aww. he's going to walk down the aisle. I just got chills. I know. It's so sweet. I'm such a sucker. I'm such a sucker for a love story. <laughs> like, any, like, little thing like that, like, he's going to walk down the aisle and marry her. Like, Mah. I know. And so they, they continued to work at it nonstop. Yeah. Up. And then even like weeks before the wedding, um, he he just he they didn't want to leave any chance for um, mistakes. So she would wear her wedding gown, and he would blindfold himself when they would work together, so that yeah. he would know the footing. So he would wear a blindfold, and she would wear a wedding dress when they practiced. Oh wow! And so um, and then he like to he also made himself. Um, he didn't want anything to interfere with the walk and even like the he said that a cold environment made his body like like remain fresh so he like stayed in a cold environment the whole week of the wedding just preparing himself for this walk Um, so that he did wheel himself when they did get married he wheeled himself in the wheelchair down the aisle and then after they sealed their marriage and they had to kiss um she lifted him up from his wheelchair and then they went side by side side by side down the aisle for seven yards surrounded by their family friends and trainers and nearly 200 other people that played a role in their lives um so three years later three years after wedding yeah i'm sorry three years after the graduation they did it again but this time in jupiter florida at the wedding and he walked the seven yard walk down the aisle like the recessional is that what it's called yeah 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 and so and um and emily said um i know that having chris by my side we can get through anything which is so sweet and their story doesn't end there so um, then what happened (laughs) and then so after they um had already faced all this adversity and he walked um across the stage at his graduation Mm -hmm. and walked down the aisle and they worked together they decided to start, they still wanted to do good things for other people. Yeah. And so they decided to become 
foster parents and they fostered, um, they fostered over 17 children and then they ended up adopting four little girls and they had, are they, I'm sorry, they had already adopted a, um, a 14 year old girl and uh, who's now 20, but they adopted her. She said that she, when they met her, that she just didn't have like any faith in life and she had just been in and out of the system and she had no self-esteem and no self-worth and they adopted her and then um and then very soon after that they took in a group of four sisters that needed a home and adopted them too so they have five children so they adopted the sisters so they could stay together yes love that i know and so they have so they yeah so they have five children now five girls yeah and then they also have um have foster they continue to foster children as need be yeah and um they're just truly amazing and so strong and inspirational and there's actually a documentary um which he is in and it's called seven yards and i believe that there is a gofundme now to help to get the movie going yeah like i think i believe that it's filmed but they're trying to get it released okay um and then they're also he's also written a book called the seven yards so you can definitely i'm gonna google that really quick hang on i love that while you're googling i just i I mean it's kind of like to what you talked about last week with your family and you know my one of my brothers um is adopted and and just that and like my husband has a an adoption in his family and I, I just have so much respect for people who are foster parents and um, adoptive parents and um, and who take in kids regardless of like circumstances that who need them and I, I just I mean knowing how much having one kid changes your life and this is a kid that I had myself like yeah you know, the the people who answer the call and and go and help other children's children in need is just um it's amazing and i think that's like i have so much respect for people who do that and thank and, you yeah if you're, if you're somebody who is who is doing that it's amazing it's amazing and and also you know he could look at his situation and see himself as someone like i need to be someone that's cared for right and he doesn't even see himself as that he sees himself as a capable person that needs to help these other children right just so amazing um, and he is a capable person, obviously. Right. I'm, you know, um, just saying he didn't let the um, his circumstances get him down. Right. And so the documentary is called Seven Yards, but the book is called The Seven Longest Yards: Our Love Story of Pushing the Limits While Leaning on Each Other. And it's written by Chris and Emily Norton. And there's a foreword by Tim Tebow. Oh, Tim Tebow. That's a little tidbit of information <laughs> I did not know. Um, so Tim Tebow's in there too. Um, so definitely check out the book if you have a chance. It's on Amazon right now. I'm looking at it. It's on Amazon. Just press a click a button. Just click it. Or go to your local bookstore. Click Kindle. it. Kindle it. What do we need to do? <laughs> well, I love that. Thank you for that story. You're welcome. All right. Should we do things that are dumb and things that we love? Yes. Okay. So I think my thing that is dumb is obvious. It's my mom's still sick. So... Um, so that's dumb. It's that so is dumb. Dumb. It's awful. Yeah, it's just it's hard to see somebody you love um, suffering, and so no, um, there's nothing harder. It's yeah, awful. and it's my mama. I'm so sorry. I know. I'm so um, sorry. Thank you. You've been so nice and supportive, and that is really it. Just means a lot. Of really course. Does. And but the thing that I love this week, I feel like sometimes it's like you just have to find the joy in like 
just the little things. And one thing, this is not the thing I love, but it did make me laugh today. I came out of my street and I, there were, I turned right away. There were no cars coming. And we both, like Jen and I both live, we live like a couple miles apart, but off of the same very busy street. Yeah. And it's like such a win when you can like just turn and instead of waiting like five minutes for cars to pass. Please like, don't tell me this is your something that you It's love. not my something that I was that like, love. Sally, we gotta go. <laughs> we gotta, we gotta get I'm you. gonna take you out for ice cream or something. <laughs> um, um, no, the thing that I love, and this is kind of like a little thing, but... Um, so one of my absolute favorite podcasts is Never Not Funny, which is Jimmy Pardo's podcast, um, who is a great comedian. And I've listened to, I mean, it's been on for 13 years Wow! and I've listened to it since the first episode. Like it was started on this comedy website before I did comedy called A Special Thing. And, and I started listening to the first episode and I've been on, I mean, I've listened to it ever since. Um, but what is bringing me so much joy is rediscovering Paula Poundstone. Oh yeah, she's great. She's dude. so great. I, I, you know, when I was in high school or junior high, I rented this video called Ladies of the Night and it was, it sounds like a porn, but it was a, um, a, a women's stand-up special. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it was on Showtime, but it had a very young, like it was Ellen DeGeneres' first thing. Wow. Ellen DeGeneres, Rita Rudner, Judy Tenuta. Do you remember oh, her? Yeah. Judy. Yeah. And, um, and Paula Poundstone. And Paula Poundstone was like my idol. I, I watched it so many times that I got so many overdraft fees on this because it was, I just kept it and kept it. But I kind of, you know, I mean, I lost track of her. She kind of faded from the public eye and then, but she is like back doing stand up. I mean, I don't yeah, think she's she back. Was I think she's here she just, like a year ago. Yeah. And I just, I just listened to an episode. They just had an episode with her on it. And she's just so quick and so funny. And I just, she's such a delight. And I really am like, I have so much respect for her and her comedy. And, um, and it's just bringing me a lot of joy. Paula Poundstone. That's awesome. Yeah. Hell yeah. Okay. So I guess my sending dumb this week is just stress, stress, stress. I'm like, mm. this is the most stressful week. Even I would say more than Christmas. Yeah. Like this is the most stressful week of the year is always red clay week. Cause I have the festival I'm producing, but on top of that, I, I still am a mom and I still have a full-time job and right. I still have this podcast and I still do stand up on top of it. So yeah. this is just the week that we just know that we're just not going to sleep yeah. ever. Um, but what's going to be so fun is that after red clay is over the, like the silver, the like golden goose, is uh-huh. the thing that's dangled in front of me is that I booked this and I booked this forever ago because I knew I would want this. Yeah. Like, the very next weekend after Red Clay um, is my kids' fall break, and I booked a Disney cruise. Oh, I've heard those are amazing, which is just, I think it's so funny because people who are, I know we have a lot of young people who listen to this are probably like, a, a Disney cruise? I <laughs> know. No, they're supposed to be amazing. Yes. I've heard that they're like the, the best cruises. Yes. Like And for parents, like great because they have so much to entertain your kids and kids love it and then there's also like great things to entertain adults too yeah and it's just my like I feel so so much mom guilt especially this the week of red clay because I always feel like I'm like not near my kids and I like you know put a lot of stress on the whole family I feel like um by being stressed so it's this is just my like I'm um you know 
bribing them their <laughs> affection. Like, but I'm I'm buying them right their love. Well, but and it's like, just like a good. I mean, it's amazing that you guys like you're like okay, I'm going to, instead of just like, oh, this is so stressful for me, I'm going to treat myself, which is what I think I would do, that you're like, no, I'm going to treat my family oh, and well. all of us together. And I hope you have just like the best trip. Me too. And I almost didn't want to bring it up because when you talked <laughs> about curse. yours, yeah, I don't hope, I'm knocking on all the wood right now. I hope <clears throat> everything is a success, but uh, yeah. yeah, I'm super looking forward to that. And um, yeah. That's so exciting. Do you have any? I know there's so many like tips. Oh, yeah. There's all these like tips for Disney you need to know, like all these tricks. It's all over Pinterest. If you have any tips or tricks, I'm going into this super blind because I've had no time to research. So, like, yeah, send in your great Disney cruise tips and tricks for Jen. Please. Please. Um, Muchas gracias. And, you know, if you guys don't mind, please rate and review us. And I just wanted to say that I know every podcast says that. And I just want to say, if you haven't done it and you listen to it, you know, I just talked about how much I love Never Not Funny. Uh-huh. And I've been listening to it since day one. And I just, I've never rated or reviewed it. So I'm going to go you do that. You monster. I am a monster. No. But I, I understand, like, it is, it, for some reason, it's not something that we connect, that you connect with until you have a podcast and you're like, oh, this actually really makes a difference. Yeah. Um, and in how many people get to hear it and, and, um, and then, you know for helping us to keep do it. Um, so anyway, so if you have a chance, rate and review. But if you don't, I also get it. <laughs> I yeah. just want to say I'm we with you. We still love you either We still way. love you. We still love you, dum-dums. We can't help ourselves. Yes. Yeah, you guys are the best. Um, thank you guys so much. Thank you. Have a great week and get out there and do something dumb for love. Dum-da-dum, dum